Good morning, everyone. We're going to be talking about ways we can control our anger, and scriptures certainly tell us that. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, help us to overcome anger in our lives every day. Please be a JSE preaches his lesson. Now let's go now let's go to Genesis chapter four, verses three to seven. Genesis chapter four, verses three to seven. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his voice was downcast. Face was downcast, pardon me. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Good to be here today. It's a beautiful day outside. And currently, uh, for this month, we are doing a sermon series on overcoming daily challenges. And we started that in the month of July. Uh, so far in our series, we have learned the key to overcoming our daily challenges. And this key is this. We take our trials, we take our problems, we take the bad stuff in our, in our lives, we take our daily challenges and consider them as pure joy. As we have read and, and seen in James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. And you're probably asking again still, why do we do that? Because in James chapter 1, we read that these trials, these challenges, they help us to grow. They help us to mature spiritually, and they help us to uh, be complete in the kingdom of God. And uh, it's interesting because these bad things that we have in our lives, all of our weaknesses, all of the things that, that, you know, that uh, constrain us in this life, in the form of daily challenges, they, get, they bring us closer to God. They help us in our relationship with Him because when the going gets tough, we go to God. That is the purpose of our daily challenges. And Sean added to that amazing conversation last week when he encouraged us to cultivate patience in these times of, of need, in these difficult times. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning is a daily challenge that many, many people struggle with. It's a daily challenge that is extremely dangerous when it's left unchecked, especially when it's not properly managed, when it's not properly um, addressed. And this daily challenge I want to talk to you about today is anger. The thing about anger is that it's, as I said earlier, it's dangerous. And in our scripture reading this morning, we saw an example of how dangerous anger can be if it's not properly directed, and if it's not properly managed. In our scripture reading this morning, we saw Cain and Abel in the Old Testament as they were offering uh, sacrifices to God. Uh, We know from our scripture reading that Abel was, uh, what was he? He was a shepherd, and he offered the best of his flock to God. And Cain, we understand from our scripture reading, was a farmer, and he brought uh, his crops to the Lord. And we also know from what was just read earlier that God looked favorably upon Abel's offering. 
but he rejected Cain's offering. And in our scripture reading, we understand why. The scriptures put it simply as, Cain did not do what he was supposed to do. So in this particular situation in Cain's life, God had a warning for him, as well as an admonition. So we see that in Genesis 4, verse 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. This was God's warning to Cain. You're in a very volatile situation right now. Sin is crouching at your door. It's knocking right there. It wants to have you. And his admonition to him is he must rule over it. Now, we know that in verse 8 in Genesis chapter 4, the verse after this, Cain was not successful at mastering this situation. His anger got the best of him. He told his brother this. Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. That's what happened. That's why sin, this, 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 uh, this particular emotion is so strong that it could lead us to sin. That it could lead us to even killing our own brother. And in this case, Cain committed the first murder. This is the reason why anger is only one, one letter away from the word danger. Right? It's very important that we talk about this today. Because if we don't grab a hold of it, it is going to grab a hold of us. And you know, you can, you can attest to that yourselves, ourselves. We have done many things. And we have seen people done many things out of anger. That is not that that is ex, that is absolutely regrettable. Okay, so this morning, what I would like to talk to you about is controlling anger. And in this particular topic, I'd like what I have done is I have divided our lesson today into three parts. First, in our topic, I would like us to understand how people normally express their anger, how we normally would express our anger, how, for the most part, our anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And then after that, we're going to ask the question, since anger is, so, is such a strong emotion, since anger is so dangerous, why did God give it to us? What is the purpose of anger? Why do we have it? Why does it exist? We're going to talk about that because it's essential if we are to, uh, if we are to control our anger. We have to understand what it's for. And then finally, we put those two things together. We are now able to deal with our anger. And we're going to find ways in which we can process the anger that we feel inside so that it becomes positive, so that it helps us instead of destroys us. Okay? Sounds like a good deal? Perfect. So expressing anger. Uh, emotion is, uh, uh, is a feeling or an emotion that everybody feels, just like fear or frustration or any other uh, feeling that, uh, that, that, that we feel today. But... Uh, Anger is expressed uh, in a way that is, uh, that is, again, that is not conducive to bringing about the righteousness of God. And we see that in James chapter 1, 19 to 20. Uh, in verse 19, James tells us, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're going to talk about that later in our third uh, part of our lesson this morning. But I want us to focus now on verse 20. Why does James tell us that? 
because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's the long and short of it. Okay, now what we're going to do in this first part is we're going we're to understand exactly how our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, in the Old Testament, the word for anger is from the word af. And this word literally means nose, nostril. So what they have done is when they describe somebody who's angry, you know what they would say? They would say this person is short of nose. If a person is calm, they would say this person is long of nose. You understand short of nose, right? Like this picture right here. Short of nose. That's what the Old Testament used as the term for angry. Okay? And uh, this verse, Proverbs 14, verse 17, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Quick-tempered, literally in Hebrew, short of nose. But then the opposite of that, as, as uh, Psalm 145, verse 8, described God, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Slow to anger, long of nose. That's what it is. In our uh, expression of anger, we do this pretty much in one of two ways, or both. We do it externally. We show our anger externally, and we show our anger internally. Or we don't show our anger at all. We, we hold it in. We direct it inward, internally, in, our, in, in ourselves. Let's look at the external way that we express anger that does not produce the righteousness of God. In Proverbs 29, verse 11, we read, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Many people demonstrate their anger outwardly. I gotta be honest with you, I'm, I'm one of those guys. And this is one of the uh, biggest things that I struggle with, is anger and impatience. We're going to talk more about that later. Sean talked about that last week, and we're going to talk more about, about these particular things later. Uh, Anger is such a strong emotion that, for the most part, we, you know, we just show it, okay? And it's not a good thing for the most part. Um, our expression of anger runs the gamut of intense and not so intense, right? It's like, for example, it's like the flame. When you, when you, uh, when you turn on your gas range, you see the flame and you see the different colors of fire, okay? Do you guys know the hottest part of the flame? You guys remember that? It's the blue flame, right? The blue flame is the hottest part of the flame. And then as we go out from the flame outwards, from the inside to the out, we see yellow, orange, and red. And as it goes outside, it becomes less and less hot. It's the same thing with the emotion of anger. When we express it, it varies in intensity. But regardless of how intense our, our anger is, whether it be some indignation. We're just appalled that somebody would do or say something to our wrath, to our fury, to our rage. Holding on to anger is going to burn us and or the people around us uh, just the same. Even if it's just a slight, you know, a slight burn or like a major scorch, that's going to happen. Say, for example... We say, well, I, I, I don't get really angry. I get like a little bit of angry. I, I only get a little bit angry. We have to be careful of that. Because if we hold on to that, the kind of anger that we're going to express is prolonged anger. You know what that is? This is when people would say, well, you know what? I remember 
what this person did one day during Sunday morning worship. I remember how he, how, how he treated me, how he said something to me. And I remember what he was wearing. I remember what I was wearing. I remember the people that were there. And he said this thing. I will never forget that. I will never forgive him for that. That's the dangerous part of that anger. It's prolonged and it doesn't forget. It doesn't forgive. Problematic. Or we can say, well, you know what? I don't have that. I only get angry in bursts. But then I forget about it right after. That's bad too. And this type of anger is that short fuse anger. You might know people who are like that. You might know ourselves to be like that. It is this kind of anger that uses words to like hurt people. You know, sometimes when we have this short fuse anger, we get provoked and we want to say something bad. And we mask it with jesting, with joking. can't believe you did that. You're so childish. But we meant to hurt them. Right? Or maybe we suffer from violent anger. This anger is the kind of anger that is at the very extreme of that gamut, that intensity. It's the blue flame. This kind of anger is the one that seeks to hurt. It's malicious. It's abusive. Not only physically, but also verbally. Also very problematic. But whatever intensity or anger is in that range, if it's a blue flame or a red flame, we can't hold on to it. We have to check the anger in our hearts. And Jesus tells us the importance of doing so in Matthew 5, 21 to 22. He tells us that, this is the two verses about murder, that murder begins in the heart. He says, murder does not end and start in murder. It has to start. And that beginning, before we murder anyone, before we kill someone, we have to kill them first in our minds and in our hearts. And it starts with anger. Let's read verse 21. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Jesus here is explaining to them what that their teachers, their religious teachers, have told them all these years. They were saying, this is what you have been told. This is what your ancestors have been told. This is what has been taught to you. This has been your tradition. You take the sixth commandment, which is you shall not commit murder, that's in the Bible, and add something to it. And their addition to it tells us exactly what they focused on in, in, uh, in, in, in face of that command. So they added this to this commandment. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So we see right away that what they focused on is literally just the act of killing. Their scribes and Pharisees were telling them, if you kill someone, that's bad. They did not focus on the heart. They didn't say, it doesn't matter. They said, well, ipso facto, they were saying, well, it's okay what you think of other people. As long as, you, as long as you don't kill them, you're okay. Because if you kill them, you are going to be liable and become and found guilty at the local courts. You're going to go to jail if you kill someone. If you're angry at someone, you're not going to go to jail. If you wish death upon them, you're not going to go to jail. If you're cruel to them, call them names, you're not going to go to jail. You're okay. That's what they were taught. 
But Jesus, in verse 22, goes right back to the intent of the law. They were concerned with the letter of the law, not to kill. But Jesus says there's the intent. There's the letter, but there's also the intent. Jesus goes right back to the heart. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. If you're angry at your brother, like this is language that's strong, right? This is like not founded at anything. This is anger that seeks to destroy. Remember the one that we looked at, the prolonged anger, the short-fused anger, the violent anger? If you're angry at your brother, you shall be guilty before the court, the local courts. You know, the local courts back then in Palestine, they're they're all over the, the map. And they have seven judges that try small crimes and small claims. And he says, if you do that, you're going to be tried and you're going to be found guilty. And he goes further. He says, whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Not the local court, Supreme Court. In some versions, there's this word that they use there called raka, R-A-C-A. It literally means you're good for nothing. Back then, that was like their, their, you know, their most intense insult for each other, apparently. If you call people that, you're going to be guilty before the Supreme Court. And we know that to be the Sanhedrin. That resides in Jerusalem. And instead of seven judges, you know how many judges they have? Seventy-one judges. So Jesus is saying, calling somebody names that meant to hurt out of your anger, that is not good. And he's not even talking about killing yet. He didn't even talk about killing. He just talked about your anger and how you feel inside. And then he caps it off by saying this, and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Forget about murdering and killing someone and going to jail. Think about going to hell. Jesus brings home the point that the anger, doesn't matter how intense, if we hold on to it, is not good. Okay? So now, another way that we express anger is internally. Okay? This is equally, if not more dangerous than expressing our anger externally. In the scriptures, there's an example of somebody who held his anger inside. And it brought about a lot of bad things for him. And that individual was the, was the prophet Jonah. Do you guys remember Jonah? You guys are thinking, yeah, the big fish. Yes, Jonah, that's the guy. Okay? So God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach my salvation there. Because Nineveh was bad. They need my word. They need to come to me, and I'm going to forgive him. You know what the Ninevites were? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was a superpower, the first superpower that that, that we see in Scripture and in history. They would conquer other people, other lands, and they would do inhuman things against them. And I think I've told you about it before. They They would, like, impale men, and they would, like take their ears off, their teeth, whatever, their bones, their limbs, and they would, like, make necklaces to them. They would march back to Nineveh, to Assyria, to, like, rejoice. And they were harsh also against the Israelites. And Jonah has not forgotten that. Jonah remembered what the Assyrians, the Ninevites, did to his people. 
And so do you know what he did with that command? Jesus said, go to Nineveh. You know what Jonah did? No, I'm not going to do that. These people need to... I know that if they turn to you, you're going to forgive them, and I'm not going to do that. Instead of going east to, the north, to, to northern Iraq, you know where he went? He went west to Europe, to a place called Tarshish, which is now Spain. But long story short, we know that there's this great storm, there was the big fish. He ended up going to Nineveh. Okay? He preached the word of God to them. You know what the Ninevites did? They accepted, they turned back to God, they repented, and they were forgiven. Normally, prophets would be like, yes, success. Not Jonah. Not Jonah. This is what Jonah did. Jonah 4, 1 to 3. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when, when I was still at home? That, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, remember, long of nose, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is an amazing uh, verse to really ponder on and think about life today. You know that there's a big relationship between repressed anger and depression? That's what Jonah felt. He wanted to kill himself because he took his anger and said it inwardly to himself. In his book, Don't Let Jerks Get the Best of You, Dr. Paul Meyer, he's a very well-respected psychiatrist in, in the United States, said this about the relationship between repressed anger and depression. In page 168, in this, this is chapter 9, and he had a whole chapter on repressed anger in expressing anger inwardly. And he titled it, You Can't Stop Your Anger Forever. He said this about dep depression and repressed anger. He said, In reality, 95% of all cases of depression are caused by repressed anger toward an abuser or toward oneself. Why did we say that, that expressing anger inwardly is sometimes more dangerous than expressing anger outwardly? This. Because if we do not acknowledge our anger, we're going to keep it in. And when we keep it in, you know what's going to happen? It's going to come out some other ways. Take, for example, an individual who's having problems at work. Having problems with people at work. If you don't acknowledge that you're angry, that they're doing something bad against you, you know what? Something's going to happen. We might go home, and if we have pets, we'd kick the pets. We'd kick the dog. And the dog was like, what's going on? What is happening? And if you don't have pets, you know what's going to happen? We're going we're gonna to direct that to our children. Or maybe to our wife or to our husband. We could criticize them. And they're like, what is going on? What is happening? It's because of the anger that needs to come out in a certain way. That is why anger is so hard. That is why anger is so bad. If we do not manage it properly and if we do not address it properly. Now, knowing what we know about expressing anger, that for the most part, we are not experts at it. We're the opposite. Now, we ask the question, why then does God give us anger? I don't know if I told you this before, but one of the things that I'm going to ask God, 
when I get to heaven and when I see him face to face, is this. Why did you make mosquitoes? Why did you make mosquitoes? What's the point? And along those lines, we could probably ask, why did you give us anger? What is the point? What's the point? Let's talk about emotions first. Emotions have a purpose in our lives, and anger is an emotion, right? The magazine Psychology, Psychology Today, they have an online version. Tell us this about emotions. We are told that feelings or emotions are internal signals. They're internal signals that instruct us to behave in certain ways. Why? What's the purpose of that? So that it's for our own good, for our own interests. Say, for example, fear. Okay? Fear. Fear is healthy. Fear could be healthy. Imagine at night you're walking on the sidewalk and you really want to get home because it's late. You see this shortcut to your house and it's or to your destination. It's like a narrow, dark alleyway. And you look at it and you go, nah, no. Your fear is telling you that that is a dangerous place. It is actually saving your life. That's why it's a good thing, fear. So you just forget about the alleyway. You just go where there's light posts and on the sidewalk. But what does anger signal to us? What is, an internal, what is that an internal signal for? What is anger instructing us to behave in, in, in what way? How is that good for us? probably ask that question a lot of times. Why is anger good for me? Well, this verse is hopefully going to give us an indication of why. Romans 12, verse 9. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate is a strong word. You know how hate starts? It starts with anger. Literally, hate is prolonged anger. Hate is not really a feeling or an emotion anymore. It's a state. It's a being because of the anger that we feel with that certain thing. And God gave us that so that we can stay away from bad things. So we can have a strong emotion against it so we will turn away from it. And instead, we will look at the good things and cling to it. We will leave the bad things because we hate them and we will cling to the good things because they are good and we like them. The crux of our lesson this morning is this. How do we control anger? We need to first understand what anger is for. What is it a signal for? When we feel angry, what is it trying to tell us? It's this. It's this. If you're going to leave this room today and you're going to get something from this lesson, it's this. When we feel angry... The first thing that comes that has to come to mind is this. Something is wrong. Something is not right. Something is said, something is done that is not right. That's the purpose of anger. Now that we know that, let's put our expression of anger and knowing what anger is for together. So we can process our anger. So we can deal with this emotion called anger. 
so we can bring it to God and take the positive out of it and do what it's intended to do so that we can move away from evil and move forward to what is good. We'll do that. But first, children. Okay? Children. Children are excellent. They're so nice, especially when they're in a good mood. Right? They eat well when they're in a good mood. They listen to you. They go, oh, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. They share well. But when they're angry, oh, something else. They need to learn how to process that anger. When people ask me, hey, Jay, Linda, when, I, when the people ask us, do your children ever fight? I say, nah. They only fight when they're awake. That's what I, that's what I tell them. And the thing is, it's intensified, especially when, they're, when they have this thing called anger. They don't know what to do with it. They need to be able to process it. Same thing with us, adults. We need to be able to process our anger. We need to know what we do with it. When we feel it, we need to know what to do, what steps to take. And this is the practical part of our lesson now, okay? But I'm not going to tell us two verses that is going to give us an insight into how we can process our anger for the good. Not for the bad. Ephesians 4.26 In your anger, do not sin. Do not, the, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Right then and there, when it says, in your anger, do not sin. We have to understand that we're angry first. We have to acknowledge that we are feeling that emotion. Sometimes, hand on heart, I say to myself, I'm angry. I have to say that to myself. I am angry. So that I know exactly what's going on. Because it's different from others, from other emotions. I'm angry. And when I'm angry, I tend to do things that, are not, that I'm not supposed to do. I tend to say things that I'm not supposed to say. The first thing that I need to say is this to myself. When I feel angry, I say, I'm angry. And then the second thing that we need to understand, that I need to understand, and ask myself is this. If I'm feeling angry... Why am I feeling angry? What is the reason for my angry feelings? What is the reason why I'm angry? Let's go back to the story of Jonah. Remember the Assyrians, the Ninevites, came to God. They, they were saved. Everything was good. Jonah wasn't happy, right? Jonah was actually hoping that even after the Ninevites went back to God, repented of their sins, and became people of God in that regard. Jonah went out to the east of the city at a vantage point to see if God would change his mind, to see if the true nature of the Ninevites would come out and God would strike them dead. This is what we read. Jonah 4, verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Like we have this idea that, oh, he's waiting to see if God is going to change his mind. He's still, not, he's, still, he's still not holding out on the idea that they will be destroyed because they deserved it. Okay, so he was camping out there. And this is what God did. Jonah 4 verse 6. And the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah. He was sitting there and there's this plant that grew over, grew over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. What did God do the next day? This is what God did the next day in verse 7. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. If you were Jonah, how would you feel? Knowing what we know about Jonah, how do you think he felt? Yeah, he got mad. Okay, he got angry. Jonah 4 verse 8. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. He still has those anger problems that he said inward. See what God said in verse 9. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Like seriously, right? Jonah said, it is. And I am so angry, I wish I were dead. What was Jonah angry about initially? The fact that the Ninevites were saved. Now he's angry at the plant. If we don't acknowledge why we are angry and the object of our anger, it's going to come out in many different ways. It is not going to come out. We're not going to come out victorious after that. That's what Jonah did. The first thing that we need to understand after we have identified why we're angry I'm angry because this person said this. I'm angry because that person did that. I'm angry because I was disrespected. I'm angry because that person broke their promise to me. I'm angry because this person does not think that I can do the job that I'm supposed to do. When we have identified that, this is the first thing that we need to understand. First thing that we need to resolve our minds and hearts to do. We have to say to ourselves, I'm angry because that's wrong. And this is it right here. That's wrong. I'm not going to do it to them or to anyone else. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That is the purpose of anger in our lives today. That is why the anger of humans do not normally produce the righteousness of God. Because if somebody disrespected me, what would happen? What, would I, what, would, what do I want to do? I want them to feel exactly how they made me feel. That is not the righteousness of God. If I were to control my anger and produce the fruit that it needed to produce in me according to God, then I would say to myself, what you did is wrong. And because it's wrong, I'm going to stay away from it. I'm not going to do it against you. I'm not going to do it against anyone. That is how we process our anger. And you're probably thinking, well, it's not enough, Jay. Give me a second verse. We have, I have a second verse for you. James 1, verse 9. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to to become angry. Why do we have two ears and one mouth? Maybe this is the reason why. Because we need, before we desire to be understood, we need to first desire to understand. I'm going to say that again because it's so cool. Okay? Before we desire to understand, before we talk people, before we tell people our stuff, before we give a piece of our mind to anyone, let us first desire to understand why they said things, why they did things. Understand. And then we need to be slow to speak. If you're the kind of person, I'm that kind of person, who struggle with saying something bad after they're angered, I need to really put that in check. 
and I need to become slow to become angry. Brothers and sisters, there's, there are many things in life that are not worth it, and it's not worth it to hold on to anger. We need to understand what it's for. It's so that we can hate evil. And that's what anger is for. There's one last thing that I want to tell you. A few short seconds to really help us understand that controlling anger, what controlling anger is all about. Do you guys know those people who walk on hot coals? Have you guys seen them before? On YouTube, they actually walk on hot coals like this, like that. They walk on hot coals. You know the trick? The trick, apparently, I looked this up on the internet. I haven't done this before. Okay, just don't, don't have any ideas, okay? So the trick is to go fast. To not let the heat linger so that you don't get burnt. What does that say about our topic this morning, about controlling anger? Anger is hot. If we linger, if we let it linger, if we hold on to it, we and the people around us will get burnt. Do not let it linger. Do uh, use it for what it's intended, for, for its intent, knowing what is bad, and then move on from there. Thank you very much for your time and for your attention.